This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, Pastor Matt Grimm examines the depths of what Jesus accomplished at the cross, both in disarming Satan and his angels and securing the redemption for his elect. Good day, everyone. This is Pastor Matt Grimm. I'm here with Thad Keenel. Good afternoon, Matt. It's good to be here. Yeah, we are back with the Planted Podcast. Uh, and if as these get released, you know, hopefully they're like every week. But Thad and I have been kind of on a three-week break here. <laughs> I was on vacation, and then we've had work stuff, and I wasn't feeling well one week. And it's just... Uh, so we've had a bit of a break in our minds, but we're keeping going as we go through Colossians chapter 2 here. Yeah, so. for you guys, time might not have passed at all, so <laughs> yeah. it's like the right. it's traveling at the speed of light. Yeah, um, and, and some of you may be like, oh, this is great, you know, keep going at the pace you're going, but others might say, hey, speed it up a little bit, you're taking a while here. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. But we're enjoying ourselves, we hope you're enjoying it as well. Um, in our last episode... We were looking at Ephesians 2, 6 to 10, and in that, we, we really were looking at a, a few things in terms of what we've started to raise this idea of some of these Colossian heresies, maybe, and some of the things that were going against. And Paul, in the episode before that, was defending his ministry and the struggle that he had. And then now we're, we're, he was talking about having us being rooted and built up and established in the faith, and that faith centers on Jesus. And so we were looking at all these things that could be opposed to Jesus, these philosophies, these elemental spirits, which I proposed probably, while it could relate to some of the fundamental philosophies of the world in terms of religion and politics and those things, most likely it's it's also related to the the spirits behind them, those those um, that unseen realm, the gods, behind those things that are the driving forces, pushing people to believe things that are not according to Christ, right? Right, right? So anything that's not according to Christ is the problem, and that's why being rooted and established in Christ is the solution. Right. And yeah. maybe just to give uh, uh, the people an idea of where this comes from, you might be familiar with the verse that says that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, right. but with these same list of right. powers, principalities, and such of the heavenly realms, right. right? So, which of course it says here that Christ is the head of. Yeah. Yeah. So he, and he, as we saw in previous episodes in, about in Colossians 1, 15 to 20, he's preeminent over all those things. He demonstrates his authority even over them, even those that are in rebellion against him. And that's where I would say too, if you think about these different philosophies and means of of trying to lead people away of the philosophy, deceit, human traditions, all these in, in, in these elemental spirits, they all connected, they all intertwine with each other. Because if the if we accept the fact that there are these elemental spirits, these spiritual powers at work, they are manifesting themselves in false human traditions, in false human philosophies, right? They're showing themselves in that way. And so it's all laid out together. So whether right. you're getting a... Um, uh, some kind of human solution to a world problem just that through some a sociological textbook textbook we might say or an economics textbook this is, here's the here's your answer right or you're getting it through some governmental laws where people actual people in authority are trying to do things and say this is the human solution mm -hmm. or whether it's some kind of religious solution right I, I would argue behind all those things, there are spiritual powers that work trying to get people to believe these false ideas. Right. Right. right so right. people are trying to get to have these false ideas. Systems of people are trying to get these false ideas across, and spiritual powers are trying to get these false ideas across. And, and how do we know they're false ideas? Because they're not according to Christ. Right. That's the measuring stick. And that's the thing that's for us. Those, I talked about those spiritual glasses that we're to put on, those spiritual earphones that we're put on, everything that we take in information, we filter it through Jesus. Um, he's the one that's going to help us discern right and wrong, truth from error, um, true reality from false reality. And so it's in verse 9 there, it's in him that the fullness of the deity dwells bodily. We talked about this back in, in, in again in 15 to 20 of chapter 1, right? 
Mm-hmm. That is that all the re, the reality of the tr- of all that's true and good in the deity, the Godhead, is 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 present in Christ, um, and 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 we are to be filled in Him. He's the head of all rule and authority, right? And that's where we ended this this at the last episode. That we find our fullness. We find um, uh, we by faith are filled up with Him. He's the head of the body, right? Of us and. And in him are all rule and authority. And then verse 11, we pick it up here. It says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. I'm reading from the ESV. Okay. A circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And we'll stop there today. Now, the rest of the chapter of 16 to 23 is actually going to relate back to this, but I think we're only going to be able to get get through verse 15 today. Um, and I just want to remind people, I think we mentioned this last time too, that you know, one a sister letter to the book of Colossians is the book of Ephesians. Right, we did. The, the yep. letter to the Ephesians. It's likely that, you know, they could have even traveled together. Um, to some extent, and definitely once copies and things were made, they were probably circular letters for that whole region, which is now modern-day Turkey, um, which Asia Minor, right, and, and so forth. And so, um, so even in this section, you're going to see a lot of similar expressions that we would find in Ephesians chapter two and other places um, that are there. And and I I think it's important to to recognize with this that. Uh, this some of this terminology as it, as it relates it all relates to the gospel, but in particular it's it's going to be it's going to involve Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and the things that come out of that right. And some of that is his raising right, the resurrection right. And then um, we'll we'll see too um, as it goes on. Once when he's raised, what that means from an authority standpoint, you know, which in Ephesians it talks about him being raised and sitting at the right hand because at the hand of God. So they talk about his resurrection and session, you know, and things like that. And and we'll see because of that, um, we and us being raised with him, we we have um, we too can deal with these authorities, these false religions, these false systems, and even the spiritual powers behind them. Because of Christ, but again, underlying all this, we have to see that it's because we're in Christ, right, we're absolutely. in Him. It's that being established and rooted in Him that all this flows. So let's jump in in verse eleven, which actually starts off with "in Him," <laughs> right? In Him, in Christ. Right? There's that. There's that foundation. It says, "In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands." By putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, and so, so here we got to deal with this term circumcision. We got to put it in context. We got to understand what's going on. Why in verse eleven would he bring up this Old Testament rite of cutting off the foreskin of 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 males? Um, what's this have to do with being in Christ? Um, uh, what did that? So, so we need to ask ourselves. What was the significance of that in the Old Testament? Right. And if we understand the reality of it and the significance of it, then we'll understand, is there a, a spiritual reality that is trying to scribe out of that? Sure. So when you think of circumcision and, and the Old Testament story, the narrative, what do you think about? Well, of course, um, the institution of this comes to Abraham. Yes. And uh, he is told to circumcise to himself, of course, mm-hmm. and um, his son and his male servants. Yeah. So it was to be uh, the sign of the covenant. Right. So this has to do with a promise of God to Abraham and for those that are accepting to be in God's family, I would say, yeah. to, um, to show an outward sign of the covenant. Yes. And that... 
and part of that, it, it's interesting that, of course, this is the the, the male member, you right. know, of reproduction, and and so um, the, so part of that promise was to give him a progeny. To he was going to be the father of nations. He was going to have he was going to be the father of many peoples, right? And so that that requires um, his wife Sarah to, to become pregnant, <laughs> right, right? Right. And interestingly, in 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 a in a and I don't know if we call it a, a demonstration of impatience or whatever. They, disobedience. Disobedience, <laughs> right? They say, hey, well, this is, a, you know, we've waited a while now and it doesn't seem to be happening. Maybe let's let you get our our, uh, our maidservant, Hagar, and, and we'll, see, we'll, we'll see. Maybe we're supposed to do it through that, right? Right, right. And so, um, which didn't, which wasn't right. And so... It's and it's actually following that account that the that the the covenant is affirmed with the circumcision um, thing, and so you almost wonder if it's in some ways both a demonstration of the hey the promise is going to be done through the miracle of God, right? Right. But it's also in some sense is a reminder, hey, don't take it into your own flesh. If you think it's going to be because of your own flesh that you're going to get this done, it's not. It's going to be it's going to be by a work of God. Right, and I think in some ways the circumcision is a sign of both those things. Sure, it's to say yeah. yes, it's God, but it's also it's not going to be by you. Don't think that human flesh is going to make this happen. Right, so I'm going to cut off a part of your human flesh that you think about through this is going to happen, and and instead we're it, it would remind you no, it, this is a, a work of God. It's by faith, right, that this happens, and so um, so there so you have that sign, right? I think there's a lesson in the sign oh, potentially too. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, and it's one thing when you're only eight days old to have this done. <laughs> when you're 80 days old <laughs> when you're or 80 years old. 80 years older. However, maybe I think Old enough time, to remember. I think at that time, you know, Abraham may have been well into his hundreds. Sure. Um, so, um, so, yeah, th- that I think is important to see. So it was a sign of the covenant. It, it symbolized that it, it's a promise that's, that God's going to do this, that he's going to fulfill this. Um, but there's also with that came some warnings in the Old Testament too. So that, that if if people thought that it, oh okay I'm circumcised if I just I'm circumcised so I'm good now I'm part of the promise uh, that's all taken care of I'm I'm, I'm included in, in 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 Abraham just because I did this physical thing or my parents did it for me all this kind of stuff that that's what I'm good to go now I'm circumcised so I'm part of the people of God I'm secure. Right. Is that what the Old Testament taught? No, not at all. Because if you take the sign of the covenant, you're to be obedient to that covenant. Yeah. Right. And it's like right. it's like you say um, that with God's calling, um, there always comes into it the idea of the vocation yeah. of that covenant. Right. Right. That you're to you're called to something. Exactly. And and, and you call and ultimately that calling is 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 to faith and that faith and loyalty. That comes with that. So, right. so I just want to share with you something from Deuteronomy chapter 10 um, to let you say that here is evidence in the Old Testament that this was not the case. So um, I'm going to start in verse 12. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you, related to what you're saying, but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments. So we talked about walking with the Lord you know, here in, in that same terminology is used in Colossians too, right? Right, right, right. You know, so um, so he's saying, serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today before you're good. Now, Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. Right. So it's all being reminded of them. Verse 14, behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens and the earth and all that is in it. All of creation, the whole cosmos is the Lord's, Right. Mm-hmm. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. Okay? So, and we might talk about this later in, in verse 15 of, of, <laughs> of chapter 2, but the, the inheritance of, of Israel, Israel are the, is the Lord's people. And this circumcision, is, a, is a, as, as we said, is a sign of that. But look at verse 16. It says, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. Mm. For the Lord your God is the God of gods, that's small g gods, and the Lord of lords, small l lords, 
and the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. Mm. He executes justice for the fatherless, the widow, loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing, etc. Um, and again, verse 20, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him only. But interestingly, verse 16 is the point. Right. Circumcise the foreskin of your heart. That does not sound like a physical thing that we can do. Yeah. If they were to start opening themselves up and do that, they would kill themselves. (laughs) So he's talking about an inner reality of faith, right? That their heart devotion, that they fear the Lord only, that they serve and love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul, which he said back up in verse 12, he describes that as a circumcision of the heart. So even back in this time, circumcision was to be a sign and symbol of an inner reality that took place in the heart. Mm. So... So when we understand that from an Old Testament standpoint, too, that, that this outward sign always was there to be a visible reminder of an inner reality that is based on faith and the promise that God's going to accomplish these things, right? And as in, because we believe and have put our faith in what God's going to do, that shows itself not just in our willingness to get circumcised, but but that's just a, a step that says our willingness to serve God and Him only, and therefore we're going to obey His commands and laws, and et cetera. Right. Circumcision just being one right of those things. Right. So as people, Jewish people who were familiar with the Old Testament here are reading this letter, and it uh, it states in this verse 11 that in Christ you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. That would... That would remind them of of this Deuteronomy verse, right? Exactly. Exactly. Because the circumcision of the heart can't be done by the hands, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so and so who does it? Who does the circumcision that's not done by hands? It's Christ. It's Christ, right? And that's the circumcision there of Christ, right? And then he makes this transition and he relates this circumcision in the Old Testament to do we, you know, because in Colossae, a a Greek city, right, where there were Jews, right, and there were Jews present in the assembly, but there were also non-Jews. There were Gentiles, right, and there's this whole discussion throughout the Old Testament, I mean, New Testament, whether it's the book of Acts or in a lot of Paul's letters, there's always this issue between the Jews and the Gentiles. Do the Gentiles have to get circumcised? Do they have to f- practice the, the festivals and the and all those things, Um Right. In fact, if you are reading this, the New Testament, you'll see this word sometime called the Judaizers. Yes. Right. And those are the ones that are saying right. you have to be circumcised physically right. to, to first you become circumcised and then you can become a Christian right. type of thing. Right. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting here. So when there, when we read the end of verse eleven, there it says, "By the circumcision of Christ," that's not even referring to his physical circumcision when he was eight days old. No, it's not. Now, was he? Yes, did, he was. Did, right. did Did God decide? Salvation was going to come through the Jews, yes, and Jesus was born a Jew, and he identified as a Jew, and he fulfilled all the Jewish things. Right. Right? So in this aspect, is it showing that he is the fulfillment of the covenant, then you think, or... Um, as that was Second the sign. Day, I mean, I don't think it, I don't think this is directly referring to his circumcision. No, right? no, no, no. But I mean, as far as how he, as a man, yes, did fulfill the law and fulfill. Right. So he walked through as he did. But yeah. I, and I and I think the circumcision of Christ here is talking about the fact is what he, I would say that's what he's doing for us. This is okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So now it could be the other thing you could say is is the circumcision because because. Other places it talks about, even in some Old Testament prophecy, and I'm trying to think in the New Testament, that Christ would need to be cut off for us, right? And that does refer to his death, right? This is defining our circumcision as the circumcision made without hands because it's the circumcision of Christ. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So so I don't know that this is referring to him having to be cut for us in terms of diet. I think it's more the fact that it's it's by the work of Christ that our hearts are circumcised. Yeah, I was trying to read the next step of covenant into it. Okay, gotcha. Um, so then verse 12, we have this connection between circumcision and now, baptism. Wait, I'm going to hang on. I'm going to interrupt you. Okay. <laughs> because I just had another thought. So um, Christ is the institution of the new covenant. Yes. Right? And so in a sense, I mean, if the sign of the covenant, <laughs> yeah. you know, of course, was circumcision in the in Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Testament right? yes. Here's the circumcision made without hands. It's made by Christ. So yeah. it kind of introduces the new covenant here, in a sense. It, it is. And I think that I think that's why he's he then makes this transition in verse 12 to baptism. He's oh. connecting the two, right? See, here we go. He, I think he's—and and, and, um, and we'll, we'll even—I'll even briefly mention, you know, 
how that you know kind of reformed and in, in Presbyterian understanding of of baptism in a minute. But I first want to make this connection. It says by the circumcision of Christ, since we having been buried in it. So there is this. Um, oh, I, you know, I struggle with my Greek grammar, but but the, I I need my little cheat sheet to to look some of these things up. But this whole having been buried. But when it, whenever you see the translators using the words having been, we think, oh, there's something going on here in terms of tense, right, and so forth. Um, when you when we see having been, we know there's okay. There's a um, a past something that seems to be, is there something continuing going on here in terms of this, that we were buried together with him, um, is air, is the air is tense. So it's one of those snapshot things. It's just an accomplished fact, right? Gotcha. Kind of right, a thing. Right, right, right. So, um, but, but the point is, is that this, when, when participles at times are, are done in the sequence, of it, it, they can relate back to previous verbs, Right. So the question. So the question is: Is there a sequence, a time se- timing sequence here, or is it just a reality? Is it just a reality sequence? Is it just a cause effect kind of a thing? What's going on? Um, and so, uh, because remember, we've been rooted and established in Him. Right. Right. So this has got to go almost all the way back to verse six. Ha- therefore, having received Christ Jesus. Yes, that's the point. In our receiving of Christ Jesus, right. That that's the that's I I would say that that is governing this I I, I think right and then it's because of that that we're buried with him it, so why do I bring this up because just like in circ- circumcision in the in the Old Testament didn't save anyone it had to be a circumcision of the heart baptism for the, in in the as the New Testament right it doesn't save anybody right baptism doesn't remove original sin baptism doesn't deal with any it's is a sign and symbol of the inner reality that's there, just like it was supposed to be for circumcision. So here, baptism in like manner, and I think that's why he's tying these together, we were buried with him in baptism and were raised with him through faith in the power working of God who raised him from the dead. It's the powerful working of God that we rely upon. It's the work of Christ that we rely upon. It's because we're in him and we've received him, right, that is the point. So baptism being the sign and symbol of the new covenant, mm-hmm. right? Entry. Now we also have the Lord's Supper, right? Which we practice ongoing ways. That is also a sign and symbol of the new covenant, right? But it's not the it's the ongoing feast that we participate in. But the baptism is the entry, right? It's right. the starting point, just like circumcision was in the Old Testament, right? So we tie these two things together. Now I believe that fundamentally, what this paragraph that it is talking about is that inner spiritual reality is describing that okay so I don't know that it's um, it, it's it, but it's using the physical rights to talk about the spiritual reality but with that does it teach us anything about those physical rights that we do and I think it does I right. think it says that listen just like if circumcision didn't save anybody in the Old Testament baptism doesn't save anybody in the New Testament Um we do it out of obedience and of loyal allegiance and faith, but the sign itself doesn't accomplish anything. Right, right. The, the act of doing the sign, it's, it's what it represents and signifies that is the, the true reality. So with that being the case, you might ask the question, so when should you be baptized? Yeah. Well, right? before we go into that point, I'd okay. like to raise something that just pulled into my mind, okay. um, is that although the... Um, circumcision of Abraham mm-hmm. is the covenant, sign of the covenant. Um, the New Testament demonstrates that there are shadows of baptism that take place prior to this, right? So we have yes. baptism that's given in a representation from, from Noah. Yeah. And also with Moses and in the Exodus, when they cross the Red Sea, that's given an example of a demonstration. And it looks like in both of the examples that... And I don't know if you want to go down this road, but too late now. Um, <laughs> is that um, they are leaving behind the ugly things of the earth? For example, 
the sin that took place at the time of Noah, God was frustrated yeah. that all all of mankind's thoughts were nothing but evil, right? Right. And so the flood comes, and so the New Testament points that out as a type of baptism. And of course, we've talked about this a number of times with Moses and the Exodus and the Hebrew mm-hmm. children. When they come through, they're leaving the gods of Egypt behind, right, right? Right. And so it's a it's a demonstration of the baptism is to leave behind the false gods, which could be part of these powers and principalities that we're right. talking about. And showing allegiance to yes. the Almighty God right. is that a, is that a clear? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you guys, you, I mean, we're not going to jump it. Like My, verse seventeen is next time, but even verse seventeen of chapter two, it talks about these things, these questions, these food, these drink, these festivals, these Sabbaths, all those things. And I would, I we could lump circumcision in there too. Mm. It says these are shadow of the things to come. Yeah, right. Okay. So that word shadow that you use, yes, they are. They are. Now, back to this whole idea of allegiance, you're right, because baptism was not just practiced by Christians. Right. You know, um, so if you were to to join a, I don't, I can't remember if guilds or things like that used it, but there were associations, especially, you know, if you were to to switch allegiance from one thing to another, baptism was something that you, you would do. Right. right, and it, it very much had to do with publicly identifying with your new. You're identifying with this new group, this new potential leader, ruler, sect, whatever. Baptism was something that was done, right? And it was very much an act of outward allegiance, right? And even just before Christ um, and our baptism into Him, we see John the Baptist, yes, which is. Um, not a Christian baptism because he's the last of the Old Testament right. prophets, but a baptism unto repentance, yeah. you know, and a demonstration. So yeah, yeah good. Yeah, so that allegiance, so it's very much that allegiance, which really circumcision was that too. Right. Right? Um, but say, hey, my allegiance is now with Yahweh, right? My right. trust is in him. And now baptism, our allegiance was with Christ, who is the fulfillment of God's purposes of Israel it, by Yahweh, right? That he he is the one, he's the true Messiah, right? And so, so therefore, just to, I, I alluded to this, that, so you might ask, well, why, you know, why do um, us at our church, why we, now we actually will dedicate children and baptize children. This is one of those things that we've chosen not to fight over, mm-hmm. right? In terms of, we're going to give people freedom and liberty to do what they Feel best to do in terms of this. However, in our Reformed tradition and our and with Presbyterian in our Book of Order, we encourage the baptism of infants. Why? Because they're not. They don't have a choice in the matter. Shouldn't they be doing this out of choice? Well, the reality is, did eight-year-old infants in eight-day-old yeah. eight infant um, uh, have a choice in the matter in the in the Old Testament no. to be circumcised? No, they didn't. Why? Because because it didn't save anybody. Right. Right. The point is, do do you did they want their children raised under the covenant? Yes, they did. They wanted their children to be a part of the covenant community. And it was that outward right that says, hey, let's treat these people like they're part of the community. Let's treat these people, um, these infants as they are. Um, and so that that's the point in the New Testament is that since there's no prohibition in the New Testament against baptizing infants, um, and that there are some places in the book of Acts where whole families are baptized. And so we're assuming in that that infants could, could be part how, of that. Yeah, households, yeah, yeah. Households. Now, do we know that for absolutely positively sure? No, we don't. Right. Right. But th- this is one of those big things is because the sign is just what it is. It's just a sign. It's a sign of allegiance and so forth. And so at some point in the Old Testament believer, they would have to confirm their faith by staying true and loyal to, to Yahweh, even though the circumcision had already been done to them, right? right? But that comes through an outward profession. The same thing here in the New Testament. At some points, that's why a lot of these denominations that will baptize infants have them go through confirmation, right? That they are to confirm the faith that was conferred upon them at baptism, right? Because that didn't, didn't save them. Now, Which some, is kind of like in the Jewish Community, I mean, right. eight-day-old circumcision, yes, but yeah. then they have the bat mitzvah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so here in our church, we have a program we call J12. It's Jesus at the age of 12. And, and you know, the, the, our, our, we have our 12-year-olds go through classes and, and things where they learn the doctrines of grace and, and they learn about 
the church and they say, hey, are you going to follow him or aren't you, right? Right. And so many of them will stand up and confirm that. But those who hadn't been, not yet been baptized, those who had been dedicated or not baptized in their church, they come here, we'll baptize them. And, um, and we have that coming up here. Right. So, so yeah, so that's, that's the idea. But with that, just to be sure that we're, because this is talking about our spiritual baptism, this is not teaching we do not teach and over this that baptism saves anyone. It's all about faith in Christ. It's about receiving Christ, being loyal to Him, um, and it, it's because of His work. What's His work? Back to verse twelve: the work of God who raised Him from the dead. Right. And so, you know, now when we sprinkle or pour over infants, you know, one of the things that uh, talking about the washing away of sins and those kind of things, what it signifies, not what it accomplishes. It's only right. what it signifies. Jesus accomplished that. Right. But one of the cool things I think about immersion baptism is that we actually have this physical picture of actually coming up out of the water. Right. Which, the, because without, we've talked about this before, and um, our current sermon series, as Thad and I here are talking, if you're listening to this later, go back and listen to the Only Hope, our Only Hope sermon series. The significance of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, the crucifixion is powerless, Right. Right. And so it's it's the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And it's because of that resurrection, right, that we believe in the defeat of sin on the cross, which we're going to talk about here in, in verse 13 and following. But what we want everyone to realize is that, just as in the Old Testament, circumcision is this, only the sign of, what, of believing in the promise of God. Baptism is the sign of believing in the promise of of what the, the crucifixion and resurrection accomplish. So let me make an inference here and mm -hmm. see if this is um, said okay. So okay. just as um, our circumcision is the circumcision that's made without hands, that's right. the Old Testament sign of the yes. covenant, right? Um, our baptism, the physical baptism that we have here, even though it doesn't say that, right. is it's like a baptism that's made without hands. It is. It's made by the powerful working of God, right? Yeah. Who raised Jesus right. from the dead. So it's one's the, the outward sign; the other one is the actual miracle that takes place inside yes. the heart. So I believe my real baptism, right? Even though I've been—I've actually been—I was baptized as an infant, and I was rebaptized <laughs> as an adult. But the point is, but neither of those were my real baptism. In right. one sense, my real baptism was whenever that happened in my life, whether it was when I was eight or ten or whenever that was. Um, is when, when the Holy Spirit came and took hold of me, and I, by faith, you know, was made, I was made new and by faith confessed Jesus. That's when my, I was baptized by the Holy Spirit right. at that point, right? right? Because, of the, because of the work of Jesus, right? And so at one point, verse 13, I was dead in my trespasses and the uncircumcision of my flesh, okay? I was, I was dead to God. I was not spiritually alive, but when I was baptized <laughs> right. by the Spirit, by the Spirit, um, God made me alive, you alive, anyone who has faith in Christ, alive together with Him, forgiving us our trespasses. So de dead and trespasses made alive, dead yeah. to life. That's resurrection. That's resurrection. That's resurrection. Exactly. So that's and being that, born again, born again. That's <laughs> right. a that's a and that's a spiritual resurrection. That's a spiritual that, resurrection, which si is signified by baptism, right? And mm. so, um, and so, and the reality is that there was that my baptism was ultimately with Jesus. I was baptized in His death and His resurrection. Right. right, and is it? I don't know. Maybe it was Ephesians because it's such a parallel letter. But is, yeah. it, is this where it says um, we have been raised with Christ and are seated in the heavenly yes, places? Yes, exactly. So let's let's turn there real quick. Let's go to Ephesians chapter two because the same language is being used um, of death and trespasses and sins. Uh, so if we go to uh, two verse one, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Okay, mm -hmm. following the course. So. So again, we were supposed to walk in Christ because we used to walk in death. We walked in death, and that death was showed itself because we were actually following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. There's the spiritual realm There's again. The spiritual realm again, right? You once lived among the passions of our flesh, so when we're following out the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of that old body, that old mind, that old body and mind was given over to these powers, mm -hmm. right? It says, but verse four, 
but God being rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he did what? He made us alive together in mm. Christ. That's our resurrection. That's being born again. That's being baptized in Christ, right? Um, by grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him where? In the heavenly places in right, Christ Jesus. Right, And that so, is that is a spiritual reality for believers now. 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 So while I'm sitting here, if I've right. been truly regenerated, I, right. I, I'm in a, I'm seated in the heavenly realms, which just shows the right. um, adoption of, yeah, of God exactly. and the, right. Yeah, and so I once now again have access to God. Mm. So if we think about the original story of Genesis one, the, when God creates heaven and earth, and he he starts to form creation in these six days, right? And, and, and he has these three realms in the first three days, and the next three days he fills those realms, right? And those in, within those realms, he, in that, that sixth day, he tells his divine counsel, let us make God, man in our image, and then he alone, the rest of them don't help him, he alone makes them. But what we have there, and uh, that humanity um, is fit for earth, and earth is being fit especially if we go to chapter 2 where this garden of eden image and temple image of where mm. the heavenly and the and the earthly are able to dwell together right and in the day 7 back to chapter you know, actually beginning of chapter 2 um it, why they split up the chapters that way who knows <laughs> but the point is god rests and what does he do when he rests and so that's a it's, it would almost be like him sitting down and ruling right he's he's taking his throne and the throne um, the, the 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 earth is is like the footstool of heaven, right? Right. The, the Psalms tell us we have God in the heavens, and the earth is His footstool. Right. So God sits down, um, shows that His perfect work in creation right. was complete. In the same manner, when Christ ascends, He's seated. He sits down right. as the now, high priest. That the high all pr- all the work that's been completed. Finality. Yeah, there's the high priest, but also the the messianic ruler. He's the one with authority over he's, these he's, things. He's the right? king. Is now he's the king. Now the, the issue is how does that work itself out now? Well, because sin and, and there's still this conflict that's going on, which he's won, you know. But the battle still is is being carried out. It's kind of like okay, in World War II, you had D Day. They say, once D-Day happened, the Allies were going to win. They just had to go and finish and take over the rest of the territory, right? Right. That's what's happening now. He's seated. He's there. So why did I bring all this up? I bring all this up. If we're seated with him, right, the presence of God is now in us. Who's the temple of God? We are, right? right? We, are his, we are his body. We, so the, the presence of God is here in us even now. So it's a spiritual reality that we are have access to the heavenly realm, but that heavenly realm is showing itself here on earth even now. Right. Where? In the body of Christ. In the body of Christ as we go forth right. conquering and conquering through, e- the po- exactly. through the power of Christ. It's, it's the church militant. E- exactly. And so let us, so I, I just want to also bring up, some other references as it relates to baptism in this reality of mm, 1 Corinthians 12, um, verse 13, as it's talking about the body of Christ and it's talking about the giving of spiritual gifts, okay, in 1 Corinthians 12. And so, um, verse starting in verse 12, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So he's saying we're all one body in Christ. Colossians talks about him being the head, right? Mm -hmm. So verse 13, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Mm. Yeah, that's not speaking about when we were dunked. (laughs) No, that's talking about a spiritual baptism, right? right? We're in one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, it doesn't matter. All were made to to drink of one spirit. Mm. So we've been spiritually baptized into one body. Um. And with that one body, then it talks about we all are parts of that body. We all have a role to play within that body. We have gifts to to demonstrate within that body. No parts of the body are better than other parts of the body. We're all one in Christ. There's the one who is the head, who's the authority, is Jesus, right? He's above all. The rest of us serve. So it doesn't matter if you're our pastor, Winans, who's, who's regularly preaching. He's our lead pastor. He's our head pastor. Um, he's no more important 
than the than the, the other part of the body who's holding babies in the nursery. Right. Right. Now his role may have some more significance, and with it, some more. Um, he's like can be judged higher. Right. You know, for for <laughs> how responsibility he yeah. rightly divides the word of truth. Right. Right. But the point is, but we're all one in Christ. Right. Because we share one baptism. One, which Ephesians actually talks about, right? One body, one baptism, all, one spirit, all those things. So, so again, that spiritual baptism makes us one in Christ. It unites us with Him, and and um, and then we we already looked at Ephesians, but I think it's important to see too that that that, that spiritual reality of, of of the presence of God with us here, who who gives us function and purpose and reason to proclaim the gospel, mm. right? Yeah. Um, now, I want to relate this, because all this, I think, also then does relate to verse 15, which we're going to get to in a minute. Um, so but I want to get to 14 first, okay? But one other place I want to go, and I, you love talking about this, I want this. I want to see, because of the 14 and 15, again, this, how this relates to us as being seated with him, mm. resting in him, but that we're part of the spiritual realm in his presence with us, it's going to relate to Revelation 20, verse 2, um, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. But Sounds first, familiar. Sounds familiar. <laughs> this is one of your things. I want you to get to it. But, but first, I want, us to get, I want us to get there out of verse 15 so, um, of chapter 2. So let's go, let's go back together. We've, looked, we've talked about verse 13. We were dead in our trespasses, the uncircumcision of our flesh. So again, we see how circumcision and baptism are related. What's really going on is the heart. Right, the, the spiritual baptism. Right. We're alive together with Him. Why are we able to be alive together with Him? Because our sins have been forgiven. Sins, uh, our sins are the manifestation of the rebellion and the death that comes through turning away from God. Right, and that's been forgiven. How was it forgiven? Now this is very interesting. Verse fourteen, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Mm. Ooh. Um. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in that yeah, statement. Yes, yeah, sure. Um. So, but 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 this is one of your things. I mean, you you love to talk about the the, the grace and what it what it was happening from a le- even from a legal justice standpoint, our justification, all that kind of stuff. What? How? Do, when you read this, your translation, you have a New King James there. What? How does it put this? It says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which, okay. was, which was contrary to us. Okay. Did, have you done any reading or thought about, what's this? The, the, this is a very Jewish, in some sense, idea. It, then you could also, there's also, we could talk about some Greek legal ideas as well. But there was this, where's this idea of what's written against us? What, what book is this written in? Have you looked at any of that stuff at all? Or what, where what this idea where this idea comes from? Um, well, not specifically. I don't think I'm okay. But I'm. But I'm obviously. I would think this is referring to the law. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. So when we break the laws, there's debt to that, right? right. But there's also, I think, in 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 um, this Jewish idea of of the when you would break the law, there was this book. That, that was being kept. You think about the book of the law. Right. With that book of the law, there's also the book of um, of kind of, we even think about in Revelation, the book of life, you know. And, and, and the other books, which will be opened. Yes, the other books that will be opened, right? For so the dead. Yeah. Exactly. Because why? Because the, uh, especially from a Jewish mindset, and think about if you entered into a covenant with God, we just talked about the Old, the Old Testament covenant, right? The covenant with Abraham, right? And it was signified... The circumcision right, but also then you have the the covenant uh, in Sinai with the covenant of the law and so forth, right? And so when when you broke a law, right, there were curses brought upon you, <laughs> yeah. right? Now we know that there were the sacrificial system to forgive those, right? But that also requires repentance, mm-hmm. right, and so forth. So yeah, I think there's this idea that there is this eternal account that is that is being written. Well, in and each of our lives, the New right? Testament also speaks to that, where it talks about every or being held accountable for every idle word. Yeah, right. Which, and this is for those who are not covered by Christ's righteousness, yes. right? Um, because in the for those of us in Christ, we've already been judged 
Yes. Right. Which is going to come back right. around in this. And in I this think there, in some ways, I, you know, but, it does all even talk about for the believer that uh, every act that we do will be judged. Mm-hmm. Now, the good mm-hmm. thing about and we may have to hear all those things, but the good thing about we know they're forgiven in Christ, right? <laughs> we we do I have to even hear about them? <laughs> we may. Need, it it uh, kind of sounds like you know, I'm going to debate that one tomorrow <laughs> night. <laughs> well, I mean. It does seem to be that, that what right. you know we we can't just go through life thinking that what we do doesn't matter because that, yeah, of Jesus. Yeah, not right, not at all. Right, right. that's not what you that know, is. Right, but but the reality is there was this um, there's, there's actually this technical term that that was that that is being used here. It's this Greek word. Um, I always pronounce Greek badly. It's chirographon. Okay? Sounded perfect to me. Which means. Um, Paul explains that as this record of debt, that word, stood against us. So um, I'm reading from a commentary. It says, Paul shifts to a first-person plural noun as he describes this. So it's interesting that he's saying you, this was the y'all, and now he says us. You know, he's including mm. himself in this, that we're all in this situation together, right? We right. all need this forgiven. Um, the record was perfectly, this record was perfectly legitimate, conforming to legal regulations. However, to bring new life to believers, this record of debt had to be wiped away or canceled. Another word, ex, exalapsus. Right. <laughs> um, God did so by nailing to the cross. Well, so the point is, is that there was this, there was this record of debt. There was this thing being kept. And it has to be wiped away. It has to be forgiven. It has to be dealt with, right? And it, how was it dealt with? It's dealt with through the cross, right? And and we know that the, the cross actually accomplished its purpose because of the resurrection, right? Right. But the debt was paid in the cross, which also, right? Um, and I mentioned this mm-hmm. last session, uh, and we never verified the word, but when Christ is on the cross, one of the things that he says is to tell us die. Yeah, paid, finished. paid in full, exactly. And so that is the recording of debt. That right. you're talking about that was nailed to the cross. Yeah, so that debt is canceled. Right. That debt is canceled. Um, so, mm. so we know that for us, our sins have been forgiven. All our trespasses have been forgiven. That our old life and, and the record that comes with it has been, has been dealt with. There's no more legal demands. And so therefore we can say, as Paul does in Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We talk about justification, right? That we have been set right. The debt has been set right. Mm-hmm. Okay, from a human standpoint, we know that that's there, and that with that we we get set apart unto Christ and our sanctification and glory, all those kind of things. But it wasn't just for humans that that were that were dealt with there, right? In terms of forgiveness, yes, for forgiveness, but these spiritual powers that are working against us, mm-hmm. he says in verse 15, now it doesn't say he forgave them. No. <laughs> what he does is he disarms them. He disarms the rulers and authorities, and he puts them to open shame by triumphing over them. Um, I'm going to talk about this word triumphing in just a minute, but what do you think it means to disarm? To disarm some? Why use this word disarm? Well... To uh, take away their power, mm-hmm. maybe even their authority, because they are against us. So, for example, if we've got a group of bad guys that are coming against us with um, knives yeah. or whatever, if they're disarmed, yeah. you know, and they're a small army, <laughs> then right. the power their power has been taken away to to hurt us any longer. Yes, as as so yes, yeah. But but it also makes us say, oh, they must have been they had to be given power at some point, right? Right? right, and so so what's mm. that in reference to? Well, we've talked about this, you know, I think a little bit here. We especially when we're talking about dominions and rulers. What was their dominion? Well, this goes back to uh, the Deuteronomy thirty-two passage where it says, in, in, in which relates back to the Babel incident, right? Which mm-hmm. which is not unrelated to the Genesis six incident, right? The the point is the. There has there is rebellion of mankind. There's also been rebellion of spiritual powers. Now I think the the rebellion that takes place of the spiritual powers in in is that of mankind that they're given over to the gods of the nations, and then at some point those gods don't they don't rule right, and so that we see the the that in in Deuteronomy 32 they were given this authority, and then I think it's Psalm 82 
where it even talks about this condemnation of them that they are not ruling appropriately. Yeah, um, yeah. Right, and I'm just making sure I get that. Uh, I know there's. I, I keep. I always confuse eighty two yes, and eighty nine. It's eighty two. It okay. is eighty two. Where God rebukes the divine council, He holds them in judgment. He says, "How long will you judge unjustly? He says, Show partiality to the wicked. Give justice to the weak and the followers. Maintain what's right and afflicted." Um, he says, uh, and He basically condemns them at the end of that psalm um, that they're going to die like men. They're going to fall like any prince. Right. 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 So the point is. That um, where and how does this happen? Well, their power, their rule, their authority is they're disarmed at the cross, right? And so for um, the question is, it doesn't look like that this happened today. It still seems like there's a bunch of, um, it still seems as if there's a lot of bad stuff going on. There's a lot of rule and authority and powers that are at work that are, that are against God and his purposes. Mm-hmm. So how did the cross disarm them? What happened there? Well, I think this is where your Revelation 20 um, comes into play, right? Uh, And you've talked this and talked about this at various times, but bring this up again. In in Revelation 20, we see that it it says that Satan's bound, right? And what's what's his binding? um, How does how does his what does his binding look like? Right. So in Revelation 20. which, again, the book of Revelation is very symbolic, and it's mm-hmm. written for a particular people. And uh, when you get into chapter 20, and you're thinking about the this book altogether, mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's easy to put this down the road way in the future. Right. But we have to use you know the entirety of Scripture and where mm-hmm. it talks to the same things. And here it says, um, I'll just read from verse 1 because that'll help. Yeah. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him. And I'll just leave that there for a second. I'll stop at a comma. But oh, just one comment first. Yep, yep. Is when it says, then I saw. So in the book of Revelation, you need to know, John is sharing what he sees next. It's not necessarily what's happening next in history, right? It's not. Right? It's not. It's not. It's not. Although the Book of Revelation has order to it, right? It's not in order. And sometimes what you'll find um, is that there's recounts from different points of view. Exactly. So, so, so again, John is describing what he sees next. He's not saying what necessarily has what, to happen ha- chronologically right. next in history. Yeah, right. So he just he. This is what he sees next, and what he sees is this. Um, Key to the bottomless pit. He sees that this dragon has is seized and and he's bound. Okay? Right, and it shows who it is. It says it's Satan. Yeah. Right, and um, and but then it speaks to it in particular mm-hmm. to a purpose. Right, and here's the purpose. Why is he bound? Why is Satan bound? Yeah. So that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended, and then after that he must be released for a little while. Okay. Okay. So with that, what what we say is that first of all, we and we looked at this really quick um, in the Revelation class, but that um, the thousand years is again symbolic language. Yes. It, it stands for whenever um, we're dealing with this, we look at the the sheep on a thousand hills or right. the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to the Lord. So real right. quick, it just it's not it's saying a large, that it's a large number, a large. Indistinct or finite yeah, number, right, but right. but not specifically a thousand, right? And yeah. so they speak metaphorically like this, and um, that what happened here that Satan was bound, and for what purpose that the nations might not be deceived any longer. Well, who are who are the nations? Right, right. Well, after the cross, right, we see um, Christ ascend, and then ten days after the ascension, Pentecost happened, and we see the word of God going forth to every tongue. Every tribe, every nation, right. right? Because Jesus proclaims that to the Jew first, right? right? And then out to Judea, Samaria, and the outer reaches of right. the earth is yeah. where how the gospel is going to be proclaimed. And many of those nations represented in Acts, right, at Pentecost are, are are representative of those table of nations from Genesis 10, right. which were given over in Genesis 11 because of the rebellion to the gods, right? right? And those small g gods, those spiritual powers, those spiritual authorities have been disarmed, mm. right? They 
no longer can deceive the nations. Now, it doesn't mean they just still don't, aren't doing bad things in the nations, right? But they can no longer deceive them from the true message of God, right? That, that, that Yahweh himself is the Lord of all, that Jesus is the Messiah, his fulfillment, his plan for Israel, who was supposed to be a light to those nations, right. supposed to be a blessing to those nations, is once again going to be a blessing to them because Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel. Jesus is the Messiah he, of Israel, who is also the Messiah then to the nations, back to Daniel chapter um, 7 and, 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 and the, him coming in the clouds and all that. And all that right? right, right. So Because he's going to show his authority over the nations. How can he do that? Because those, those powers and authorities over the nations, back to... Um, Last week, those stoicheia, right, mm-hmm. those elemental spirits, they've been disarmed, right? And so they, they, they cannot continue to deceive people from the gospel because at the cross in the resurrection, Jesus has demonstrated that he is the power of God into salvation. Right. And so to look at this um, just for 30 seconds mm-hmm. longer— um, uh, again, if you're thinking this is Revelation 20, this is in the future. This is a future, a future event, a future kingdom, right? Oh. Well, look at what we're reading here. Um, as Pastor Matt has already alluded to, um, what was accomplished that he disarmed the powers and the principalities. Is Satan a power and principality? He's part of the heavenly realm. Was he? Yes. So is he disarmed at the cross in a sense there? But what else can we rely on? Well, a lot of other scriptures, but one in particular mm-hmm. um, is from Matthew that Jesus is speaking of. How can you plunder, you know, a man's house, a strong man's house, right? right, Unless you first bind the strong man and then you can plunder his goods, right? right? Well, what, who's the strong man? It's Satan Satan. because that's part of the, that's part of the passage. I want to say it's Matthew 22, but, um, um, uh, who are the members of his household? (laughs) The powers and authorities, right? Yeah. The powers and authorities. Right, exactly right. And so, and then what was the purpose of the binding of the strong man? To plunder the goods, right? Well, yeah. who, what's he going to plunder? Those who belong to Satan, the children of Satan right. are those people of the nations that don't know Christ yet, right? right. That don't believe in the Christ. Right. And so it's almost the exact language used in Revelation 20. And when was right. Christ talking about that happening? Even now the kingdom of God has come right. upon you, right? And this right. is what he's going to accomplish. Exactly. And it, which also relates to Ephesians 5. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of wrap this up, he says, Be strong in the Lord, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, right? Because he's, he's is he still trying to scheme? Yeah, I... I've heard like N.T. Wright would say he's it's like the mob boss who's been put in prison, but he's still there orchestrating. He still has all his his generals and his his sergeants and his out there on the streets still trying to do stuff. And they still report to him, you know, even though he's bound, they're still trying to do their work, but they can't do it as effectively because he's bound and because their power has been disarmed. Right. And in particular, what can't they stop? They, what what can't Satan stop from happening? And that's the advancement of the gospel, the building of his church. Exactly. So God can still raise people up with Christ, seed us with him, because we now have authority and a power over them, right? Right. And so we what can we do? We can put on the whole armor of God mm. to take their stand against the devil's schemes, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over his present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Oh boy. We wrestle against them, but we're seated in the heavenly places in Christ, so we have authority over them. So therefore, we can take up the whole armor of God, then we can st- take stand against that evil day. Stand, therefore, with the fastened with the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet, having put in the readiness given of the gospel of peace. Mm. It's the gospel, right? Is our weapon. And, and so, and the sword of, 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 of the word of God. And so, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, verse 17. And we can pray all times in the spirit with prayer and supplication. When we pray against these powers and authorities, when we take our stand in the heavenly realm, we're seated with Christ. We take up that position in the spirit and pray against these things. We have authority. And when we preach against them with the word of God and truth to our neighbors, to against these things, we have spiritual authority and power to do so. Why? Because Thad and Matt are great guys. No, because we're in Christ. Right. It goes back to last episode. It's all this is we're in Christ. We've received him. We're in him. We're rooted, established in him. And it's in that that we take our stand. Mm, yeah. You know, so be men and, and women of prayer. 
Be men and women who are willing to speak the truth of God. And when we speak the truth of God, we don't just speak rules. We don't just speak dictates. We always relate it back to the power of Christ. Right, which is why we are called ambassadors we're, of Yes, Christ, we're ambassadors right? of Christ. So, if we're, so whenever you're out there, don't be a Bible banger, you know, in the sense that you're just beating people over the head. Teach them the word of truth as it relates to the cross of Christ mm. and the resurrection of Christ. Everything we teach, everything we preach in terms of God's moralities, his ethics, his standards, his, his wisdom, we need to always relate it back to the grace of Christ. Right. They're all expressions of the grace of Christ because that's the power of God in salvation, and that is what has disarmed the powers and authorities, right? And so when we speak of disarming all those things and we want to go into the world and speak against abortion or speak against, um, you know, transgenderism, whatever it is that we think we're, we get in our higher and we speak against, we always need to do someone from, with an attitude of humility as one who has been, had our own sins nailed to the cross. Right, right? for sure. Right. And so it's in that p- position of humility that we then speak against those powers and authorities because we don't sue in our own, do so in our own power. We do it in the power of one who himself and herself has to be forgiven. Right, right. right? right. And when we do that in humility, we speak the power of the cross. And out of that, we expose the falseness of those other religions, those other powers, those other authorities, those other elemental spirits right. that, that we take a stand against right. by grace. Exactly, yeah. And for uh, guys like you and I, when we're teaching or preaching the Word of God, mm-hmm. uh, we handle His Word very conservatively. Mm-hmm. Um and we try not to uh, just give opinion, right? Yeah. Especially we don't, and we and we won't give opinion unless we have sustenance of the Word of God behind it, right? Yeah. So we're not here to have an agenda for ourselves. We're just here to proclaim right. the glory of God and His exactly. great works. And that's where we see sometimes that we can get in trouble, or people can get in trouble uh, on radio or TV, is when they leave the scriptures behind and just start right. giving what they feel right. or what they think. And you know, sometimes yeah. when you're teaching, people from the audience will ask a difficult right. question. And what's so tense about that is because whatever the answer is that right. we give, um, what's going through our mind? Nothing but scripture when we're right. trying to be honest with right. it, right? So we're trying right. to comment and be consistent with his word yeah. on those things. And that's a that's a, that's a tough thing because we have right. a responsibility to right. proclaim it. And the hearer, you who are listening to this right now, have the responsibility to check these things out to see if they're yes, so. That's right. Right. So we do our best and you have to still put yeah. your work into it. Yeah. It's a great yeah. responsibility, but... We've been given authority and the power, yeah. and we have the weapons, and the enemy's been right. disarmed. Right. <laughs> the enemy's been disarmed. Exactly, because of Jesus. And that's why right. whenever we use our scriptures, whenever we speak against things, we always need to, again, relate it back to Jesus. He's the fulfillment of it all. He is, going back to the chapter one, he is before all things, he's in all things, all things are created through mm. him. He's the Lord over creation, he's the Lord over redemption. He's the one who's accomplished this. He's the one who's forgiven all these things. He's the one who's defeated the powers and authorities. We don't go in there thinking that, oh, we can just throw Jesus' name around, now we have power. No, we have to be in him. We have to be loyal to him. We, we are faithful in him. We proclaim him at right. all times, right? right? And it's, it's, it's the power of the gospel unto salvation uh, for us and for the defeat of the powers and rulers and authorities. And so, um, so yeah, be bold, but be bold in Christ. Um, be courageous with, with the gospel and, and, and be humble with it because just as just as Paul does here when he's talking about you were dead you were dead then he he uses he transitions from second person plural to first person mm. plural he's willing to to throw himself in right. to the, the the cross and says oh, all my stuff had to be nailed there too right? right and so we have to be willing to talk that way uh as well right sure so uh, oh that's fantastic so what do you think we have for next time well, next time we want to, we're going to get, we're going to have the rubber hit the road in this more as as we finish out chapter two and as we look at why why don't we pass judgment? Um, uh, why don't we let people pass judgment on us in these things? Why 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 should people not disqualify us and insist certain things for us? Right? It's because 
um, in verse 20, if you were, if, if with Christ you died to these things, why do you still submit to them, right? So we're going to get into what that looks like today, what it looked like back then, and why we, how we express our freedom in Christ um, appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, come back next time and join us as we want to have wisdom from God and not just the things that appear to be wisdom. Sounds great. How, do you think you should close us out in prayer, Pastor yeah, Graham? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Father God, we we come to you and we're thankful for um, your promises. We're thankful for you, Jesus, and how you fulfill them all. And we're thankful, Spirit, how you come and indwell us um, and hmm. raise us up with Christ um, and, and seat us with him in the heavenly realms, but also, Lord, um, how you empower us through that even now as our feet are still on the ground here and our hands are still um, um, serving others and and our hearts and our minds are, are to be given over to you and our, our words and our actions. And so we pray, Lord, for that power, for that strength. We, we, we ask, Lord, that you would continue to give us eyes to see and ears to hear the truth and, and, and that we would understand the, the world we live in and how we are to display Jesus uh, to others. So um, encourage us in that way, Lord, and help us also to be those people who do stand in the gap, uh, who do pray for our world, pray for our neighbors, pray for our families, uh, pray for um, your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, as we are now citizens of heaven. And so we pray, um, uh, begging you for that more and more, uh, to use your church uh, to demonstrate that as we await the day when you do come and finally set all things right. We ask for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen. Amen. Join us next time when we look at guarding ourselves from enemies who would deceive us from holding fast to the word of God. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.